You're listening to McBee Care Threads, a podcast where leaders across the healthcare industry can learn from each other. We'll discuss stories and explore strategies to help providers deliver value-based care and hear your peers share their best practices for success. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome. My name is Mark Meisel, and I'm an advisory consulting director with McBee, part of NetSmart Technologies. My practice is focused on senior living, primarily related to clinical, financial, operational, and compliance assistance to our clients. McBee has been involved with assisted living owners, operators, and real estate holders providing operational reviews to assure regulatory compliance, quality of care and services, and assistance with enhanced business process strategies. Today, I have the opportunity to host our second podcast on assisted living accreditation. In our discussion today, we will focus on how a growing number of states have begun to consider the value of accreditation organizations as a viable alternative to annual inspections by state regulatory agencies. With me today is Denise Hobson. Denise is the program director with the Accreditation Commission for Healthcare, or ACHC. Denise works on the forefront of accreditation for assisted living facilities with operators and state agencies to assist with the development of accreditation criteria on a state-by-state basis. Denise will provide us with an update on four states and an overview of what is on the horizon for accreditation for assisted living facilities. Denise, please introduce yourself and ACHC to our audience. Thank you, Mark, and good morning. And thank you again for the opportunity to share with you how assisted living accreditation is beginning to, as you shared, enter into the forefront of regulatory recognition in lieu of state licensure. As regulations tend to, as we know, set the floor for compliance and uh, the delivery of quality care, accreditation is, if you will, the ceiling of that. So it allows us the opportunity to uh, expand beyond the minimum compliance. Thank you, Denise. Um, I understand that there are states that have recognized the value of accreditation and accepted accreditation in lieu of state surveys. How does accreditation meet the needs of regulatory compliance as well as improve quality? Well, Mark, for accreditation, again, as I previously mentioned, accreditation does define at a much deeper level performance improvement and that continues performance improvement that goes beyond the minimum of the state compliance in most of our states. And really, as we're seeing a shift to focus on quality outcomes and true person or resident-centered care, that's where accreditation does offer that alternative because it does take and assist the organizations through accreditation to focus on those things other than just the minimum requirements for compliance. It focuses and helps the organization seeking accreditation to take that deeper look into outcomes and and how that person-centeredness that is so critical to drive the outcomes in a positive perspective. 
So uh, again, we're excited about where accreditation can assist the organizations in that. Well, I ask you to expand a little more on what you just said. We often hear accreditors speak of exceeding the minimum requirements. Help us understand that by sharing examples of how that is demonstrated. Sure, sure. For example, um, some state requirements may simply just provide, you know, organizations with the need to participate in some literally some form of quality, or they have to have something in place that supports quality. Where accreditation will exceed that is that we have a, one of our chapters of our standards dedicated just to that topic. And it, it literally explains key areas to focus on, you know, in performance measures or what an organization should be doing for performance activities through their annual performance improvement plan. Um, you know, things such as, you know, measuring the resident and their family's satisfaction survey at minimum annually. Now, some states already require that, but it's what you do with that information once you receive that. How does that direct either a resident-specific goal or an organizational-wide change? So we would look for that um, demonstrated in that organization at the time of survey. But just looking at those things, diving into the staff involvement as well, you know, doing a staff satisfaction survey to get, you know, identified their needs and including them in that conversation of that performance plan that may have to be adjusted from time to time, obviously. So those are just a couple of examples where we will help that um, performance improvement enhancement beyond the minimum requirements that a state would, would expect to see. Some states, you just you just have to have demonstration that you're involved or you have a quality plan. Accreditation says, what do you do with that plan? How does that plan change the way you deliver care? Thank you, Denise. Very interesting. Um, as I spoke to in our uh, introduction, I'm going to ask you to uh, describe what's going on with some of the states across the country. So can you share some examples of states and their engagement with and recognition of accreditation for assisted living? Sure. And if I could, uh, Mark, I would also like to reference and invite our listeners to um, a recently published article in JAMDA. It's called The Imperative of Reimagining Assisted Living. And it talks about that. And it talks about how you can partner with state regulators to look at quality. And if I could just for a minute in that article, it does, it references uh, some of the states that have report cards or performance cards, um, assisted living report cards, like Minnesota is developing one. Those are referenced in that. In Wisconsin, um, again, they have examples of how they are creating that report for the quality of the organizations. But if I could specifically speak to the states that we've mentioned today, I wanted to focus on four of those that do rec currently recognize or are in the process. So Idaho, the state of Idaho, they um, for their residential and assisted living facilities, 
again, they recognize accreditation in lieu of state inspections. And that is for the ongoing inspection. So if an organization has received their license and they've gone through at least one of their state inspections, and then based on what their performance was, that it determines really the frequency of surveys. But they also at the same time will recognize accreditation, um, such as ACHC accreditation and, you know, approved AOs that go through that request for approval. And they will look at the time frame that that organization is slated to be resurveyed. And if they've had a, an accreditation survey and have, have received accreditation during that time frame, they would accept that in lieu of that state survey. Texas is another state that um, already has legislation in place and their rules for uh, accreditation for both initial licensure surveys, as well as ongoing state compliance surveys. So they would accept accreditation for both of those uh, survey types. Now, that is already, as I stated in the rules, but they are in the process of defining how they will approve the AOs. So, um, you know, I meet with them on a regular basis. That's Texas Health and Human Service Commission. And we're anticipating um, currently that it would be probably summer of 23 before that is ready to be implemented. But again, a very collaborative approach with the state regulators uh, has, has created that positive relationship. So, you know, great job there in Texas. Florida, let's talk about that. Um, Florida does have regulations and, and stated that, you know, their state agency can adopt rules that will waive inspections, including the talking about the relicensure inspections. And through the accreditation, they would accept that. So again, I, I share this is that there are states that may have rules already in place that they recognize accreditation uh, in lieu of state inspections. But that's where the industry has to get um, maybe more aware, more educated on that opportunity so that, you know, it's there and just how do they implement it? How do they move forward with that? Um, so I, I think those are great examples to share about states that currently either have rules in place or they're already recognizing accrediting organizations and their accreditation in lieu of state inspections. And I would like to talk with you a little bit about North Carolina, Mark, if now's a good time for that. So North Carolina has been working on um, our organization, ACHE, has been uh, partnering with North Carolina uh, and have created an assisted living partners work group. And this has been in place since 2019 um, as we have presented the opportunity to have accreditation in lieu of some form of in, uh, state inspections. That has taken a little bit of um, energy and that we were at a good place and then COVID happened. So we've kind of paused on that. But quite honestly, um, and understandably, the state wanted to talk more in detail about uh, what evidence is there that accreditation truly brings value or truly impacts the overall outcomes of the residents and, and their care. So we were able to successfully uh, have an appropriations bill approved 
in November of 21, and it went into effect January of this year. And we are currently working to implement that plan, which will be a two-year pilot program that is funded that there will be up to 150 assisted living communities involved and up to 75 will be a control group and up to 75 will be in the accreditation arm. All participants, all up to 150, must collect, agree to collect, submit outcomes data that is identified and prescripted by the state in conjunction with UNC's clinical health research, um, the Cecil Shep Center, and working with Dr. Zimmerman and her team. And, and how that will work is there'll be four, um, excuse me, there'll be eight quarters that there will be collection of data from all participants. Well, those that are in the accreditation arm that are randomly selected to be in that accreditation arm, while they are continuing to collect and submit outcomes data, they are also going to go through the accreditation process. And at the end of this two-year pilot program, UNC SHIP Center will report back to our legislative group with the Joint Oversight Committee a report of the effectiveness of accreditation, its impacts on the outcomes, whether they either maintained or improved quality of those outcomes, and hopefully for the goal of having some form of deemed status for the state of North Carolina in lieu of uh, either licensure or ongoing inspections. So I'm very proud of the opportunity that we've already had because it demonstrates how critical it is for associations, the state, and then the accrediting organization, as well as the provider communities that we have serving on our partners group to collaborate and, and design what the future of the licensure and accreditation relationship can be. So again, I stress that that is key, that is absolute key is to um, having that partnership with regulators, creating standards and requirements that meet both needs, uh, but truly at the end of the day, showing how accreditation does improve the quality outcomes of uh, the residents for these communities. Thank you, Denise. You provided us with a lot of great information. Um, I'm going to ask you to give us some information on action steps here going forward. You know, so as an assisted living operator, how do we advocate regulatory agencies within the states to the benefits of accreditation and what they bring as an option to assisted living state survey process? Well, Mark, I would have to say that that partnership and collaboration, again, is critical. And what I would encourage provider communities to do and their associations, you know, if they're members of associations, is to get involved uh, and represent their communities through stakeholder work groups, uh, creating partnership work groups to explain and demonstrate the value that they see in accreditation in lieu of licensure inspections and how it does exceed the minimum requirements that we see in, in state regulations, but really just encouraging their engagement and uh, inviting the state to see 
you know, how, you know, if they're already accredited, show them the difference of, you know, the before and after comparisons and how they truly feel that accreditation has impacted in a positive way the resident care, but also the staff and the whole culture of excellence, not perfection, but a culture of excellence in always looking to exceed in that area. Thank you, Denise. So our program today was a conversation with uh, Denise Hobson, who is the program director for the Accreditation Commission for Healthcare, or ACHC. We're having discussion around accreditation in lieu of state survey. I want to thank Denise for her time today. And if you are looking for more information on accreditation for your assisted living facilities, you can contact Denise. Denise, your contact information? Yes, Mara. It's uh, Denise. It's D. Hobson, H-O-B-S-O-N, at achc.org. Thank you. And if you've already decided that you're moving forward with accreditation and you're looking for some support with that effort, uh, you can contact me, Mark Meisel, at M-M-Y-Z-A-L at ntst.com. I want to thank Denise again and our audience for their time today. Thank you. At McBee, we understand the challenges providers face across the healthcare landscape. For more than 45 years, we've been a part of the evolution of the healthcare industry. Our strategic advisory solutions span the home health, hospice, health system, and senior living care continuums, creating improved clinical, financial, and operational outcomes. Our expertise is guaranteed. Our solutions empower. Visit us today at mcbeeassociates.com. Thank you for listening to McBee Care Threads. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. For more information on the topics discussed today, visit our website at mcbeeassociates.com. Until next time.